0: there and welcome to episode number 112 of Blue Jays World Update. I'm your host Toss Hall and let's get you up to date. All right Blue Jays fans so we are just a little over one week away from spring training games kicking off. We got the first official spring training workout day for the Blue Jays beginning. uh, Everyone who is participating in the world baseball classic this year is in camp we got pitchers and catchers who aren't participating in the tournament already in camp we got guys who aren't even due to report yet down in dunedin at the blue jays player development complex a lot of a lot of the players already live in the area so it's pretty easy for them to train all off season in florida but all in all, it's just great to have baseball back, right? Can't you? Especially with the the warm temperatures that have risen up uh, in in the GTA this past week. Like, you just you feel like spring is just around the corner, right? You can smell it in the air. Um, obviously, not on the East Coast where you're getting slammed with with snowstorms right now, but. We're going to warm you up a little bit with some baseball talk here. And this episode, we're going to discuss a lot about Bo Bichette, obviously, because he spoke earlier this week about avoiding arbitration with the Blue Jays thanks to a three-year deal that buys out all three of his arb years, just basically clearing a path for him to enter free agency in three years. If he so chooses to, now hopefully the Blue Jays and Bichette can work out a long-term deal long before that, but for now, everyone seems pretty happy about, you know, eliminating the need for the mind-numbingly process that is arbitration. And so, let's start by discussing Bichette's comments from earlier this week because they were a little interesting, um, but in a good way. You know, Bo really showed his knowledge of arbitration, what goes into the process, and and, and basically. Showed his hand and how much he was dreading having to go into a hearing room where he would argue his case that he was worth this much, and the Blue Jays would come back and say, Yeah, but you're not worth this much. And you know, for a player who, like Bo, who is one of the Blue Jays' cornerstones, you don't really want to disrupt the relationship that you have with him, especially when you want to keep him for more than just three years, right? So, you know, basically, Bo started off his media availability with reporters who were down in, in Dunedin, you know, basically saying he was prepared to go in to the hearing room with the Jays and the third-party um, ready to defend himself, you know, with with his guns up saying, look, like, I know my worth. I know I'm worth 7.5 million versus the 5 million that the Blue Jays filed at. But, you know, basically where he was coming from is when the team and him couldn't reach an agreement to avoid arbitration by the January 13th deadline. He basically thought, okay, like, we're we're headed to an arbitration hearing. Like that, you know, like we're, we're done negotiating. He didn't think, um, at least initially, that things were going to be resolved b- before they went into a hearing. So, you know, it, it, it is really interesting to see how things changed between January 13th and early February when both sides reached an agreement and in addition to that Bo went into detail about the arbitration process as a whole you know saying how flawed it is and how it's, it's not great for the game um, and how it's a way for owners and players and executives to be pitted against themselves um, And, you know, I just, obviously, this isn't just Bo um, gaining this knowledge, right? He has his dad to lean on, who knows what it's like to play in the majors, to deal with arbitration. He's got an agent to help him uh, with that as well. Um, You know, but I, I just, I really came away from his presser learning so much more about Bichette and how, just how much it was significant for the Blue Jays to avoid having to go to an arbitration hearing this year, but also next year and the year after that as well. Because knowing how much Bichette was dreading that process of having to go into the hearing and fight you know, for his worth, it's just so relieving that we don't have to worry about that. And he doesn't have to worry about that. Because it sounds like as well, based on his comments, that he, it kind of overwhelmed him a little bit. Like it, it took over his offseason a little bit with how much you know, it was weighing on him, at least in the new year, right, when the negotiations were were taking place, and they were exchanging figures, so, you know, it's just, uh, it's a little eye-opening, now, and, and, like, I guess if you've ever been around Bichette, you already know how intelligent he is um and and of course I mean he's a great baseball player of course he would have a a great IQ but um just how resourceful resourceful um and and, uh how much he knew about the whole process it, it, it surprised me just a little bit again because I think a lot of people forget that he's just 24 And he's going through this process for the first time, or at least uh, he was going through this process for the first time, and the only time he'll have to deal with it too, which again is a huge plus. Um, And, 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 you know, it was also very encouraging to hear how grateful Bichette was that the Blue Jays put a three-year deal in front of him and, you know, basically made that first step to provide a solution that would work for both sides and, and 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 Bichette also talked about like at the end of the day it wasn't like the, his, his main focus wasn't really on money during this whole process it was more about feeling that the team was valuing his worth because it's clear that they weren't on the same point when they exchange figures, right? There was that $2.5 million gap between the initial uh, arbitration figures, and that was tied for the biggest gap in the majors, tied with Houston's Kyle Tucker. So, the fact that the Blue Jays basically, you know, provided that, you know, first gesture saying, look, we want to we want to give you an olive branch here. We want to work things out. We don't want to have to go to a uh, an arbitration hearing and fight against you. Nobody wants that. Um, so I think that was that, that was Bichette's first indicator to say, all right, we can work this out without you know a third party arbiter uh, deciding you know whether I'm going to earn 7.5 million or 5 million this season, and then have to go through that same grueling process again next winter so um, and and, you know from the Blue Jays perspective as well this now kind of lays the ground a little bit for hopefully a long term deal right because obviously they would have loved to not only buy out bichette's arb years but also some region years as part of this deal but um i think that would have only complicated actually i know that would have only complicated the process even more um and i think the the main priority was to avoid arbitration here especially because to this wasn't just Meaningful and impactful for Bichette and the Blue Jays. His arbitration case would have impacted future generations. So, and, and, and future players that are already in the majors, like uh, Jeremy Pena and Bobby Witt Jr., right? Because that's the next wave of talented young shortstops that are going to be eligible for arbitration. And in a similar spot that Bichette's in, and from the Blue Jays' perspective, when they were offering or at least trying to determine what a fair amount would be to offer Bichette, they were looking at Carlos Correa, who earned five million uh, in 2019 through arbitration, Trevor Story, same thing, five million, Javi Baez, 5.2 million. Those are all very good comparables, but Bichette probably was looking at Francisco Lindor, who earned $10.55 million, um, through his first ARB year, um, and was probably getting that $7.5 million, um, from, you know, as a middle ground between that first class and the second class that involved Lindor. Um, and it would have also made sense, too, if he looked at Vladdy who earned $7.9 million, as a first year arbitration player and Pete Alonso who earned 7.4 million as a first-time Arab player and said, look, I deserve at least seven million. Um so I think for, for Major League Baseball as a whole, and Bichette um, alluded to this is that you know it it would have been in the league's best interest for the Blue Jays to give him, you know, an offer closer to Correa and Story and Baez versus a middle, or versus reaching a middle ground between that group and Lindor. Um, because then, you know, had Bichette earned that $7.5 it million, it would have created, pre- created a precedent for Pena and Witt Jr. And anyone else who comes next saying, if you reach this threshold you should earn this much during your first year in arbitration so um you know it it, kind of works out for Bichette but also for the game league wide that arbitration was avoided here with Bichette because now you can't draw that those comparables at least through the arbitration process because bichette avoided it and um you know now he's gonna make just under four million in 2023 um as part of that new three-year deal that's worth 33.6 million dollars um but it it is also important to note too that um i don't even want to call it a downside but Because the Blue Jays signed Bichette to a multi-year deal, which they could only do at this point, they couldn't avoid arbitration with a one-year deal. It had to be for multiple years. Bichette now features an 11.2 average annual value, and that's meaningful because that counts against the Blue Jays' collective balance tax payroll, which is factored into luxury taxes, and because he's making 11.2 or at least because he's featuring an 11.2 average annual value um, that raised the Blue Jays um, payroll to just over 250.4 million dollars and that's notable because that's you know a little bit shy of 3 million under that second luxury tax threshold and um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't think, at least at this point, that the Blue Jays would go out of their way to avoid crossing that threshold because, at the end of the day, it's not a huge penalty to surpass that second threshold. Um, You know, it's only a, it's only an additional 14. Uh, penalty on overages so um, you know it's actually less than the initial penalty that you receive of 20% when you cross the first threshold so you know the fact that they've come this far why not make your team a little bit better and spend a little bit more um, because you're still way under the third threshold of $273 which if you cross that point, that's when you start getting into the draft pick penalties. Uh, And and also, I believe you lose some international bonus signing money as well. So that I don't expect the team to cross anytime soon, maybe, you know, ever. Um, Considering that they're, you know, a luxury tax team for the first time in franchise history right now. Um but that's that that's how Bichette's New Deal has impacted um their luxury tax or at least their um CBT payroll. So um but I think the biggest takeaway here um with Bichette is that he now gets to start the season, which If we peel back the onion a little bit here, too. Everyone, league-wide, is going to be able to enjoy their first, hopefully, fingers crossed, first uninterrupted spring training since pre-COVID, right? Because 2020, you had COVID to shut down, right? And then you had to start everything up again in summer camp. You had 2021 again, dealing with COVID um, and everything that came with that last year obviously had the lockout and the sudden deal that, that transpired and the chaos that ensued with the shortened spring training and rushing everyone down there, getting everything set up. So now that he has his contractual situation resolved, at least for the next three years, He's, he, he's still eligible to enter free agency after 20 after the 2025 season. Same with Vlad, but now he's happy and he's freer, and he knows he's on the same page with the team regarding his current value. Now there's still a lot to, to be a lot to be decided regarding any long-term deal that buys out free agents free agent years. But, all in all, can't complain with this deal, you know? The alternative would not have been a favorable outcome for anyone. Right? Knowing what we know about Bichette and how he feels about the arbitration process. You even look at last offseason when Bichette was a pre-arbitration player, where the Blue Jays were able to decide his salary. He rejected it, right? Him and Alec Manoa rejected it because even at that point, he was fed up with the whole process. And that was a year before arbitration. So now he doesn't have to worry about any of that. All he has to do is worry about his on-field performance. And for the Blue Jays, they're banking on him continuing to grow as a, you know, offensive phenom, but also defensively as well. Throughout these next three years, and why shouldn't they? Right, he's been one of the best players at his position ever since he debuted in 2019. Right, over the last two seasons specifically, he's been phenomenal. Even though last year, you know, he had a very roller coaster type season, not not uh, overly different from how the Blue Jays overall season went. Um, but he turned it on late in the year, right, and he salvaged a lot of his performance where. He was still still able to feature a 290, 333, 469 slash line with a 129 way to run to create a plus score, a 347 woba, um, and he was worth 4.5 Van Graaff's wins above replacement. That was the second highest rating of his career. So if we if we can assume that Bichette's gonna build off of the momentum he ended last year with and play a little bit freer and also add to his value a little bit too on the base pass where, you know, he he was a bit of a, um, he was a bit of a weak link in that regard last year. A little bit of, of a liability at times, um, becoming just, just not choosing the right times when to steal bases. Um, you know, he was caught nearly as much, uh, or nearly as many times as he was ex- as he was successful. He stole 13 bases last season and was caught 8 times versus in 2021, he stole 25 bases and only was caught once and that translated to a career best 6.9 BSR, which is base running runs above average. In 2022, that dropped to all dropped all the way down to negative 2 points seven and you know with bases becoming three inches bigger pitchers only having uh or having limited opportunities and how many how many times they can pick off um you know it, it, and the fact that philosoph- uh, philosophically the Blue Jays want to be a better base running team next year that's that doesn't just mean or next season um that doesn't just mean stealing more bases that means being more aggressive when they're scoring from second base when they're going first to third um, and even trying to score from first base too they have a lot more speed this or they will have a lot more speed this season compared to previous ones right you have the addition uh, the additions of Kevin Kiermeyer, Dal- Dalton Varsho who is an underrated base runner himself you know Bichette who wants to be more aggressive uh, even Vladdy, you know, he's got some uh, uh, sneaky good speed uh, with him as well. You know, you lose Teoscar Hernandez and his speed, um, but you can definitely be better in other areas too. And George Springer, even at his age, um, could make an impact on the bases as well, especially if, it, if he's fully healthy. Uh, same goes with Kiermaier as well. So I, I, I do think... That's an area where you're going to see this team improve, especially fundamentally as well, in 2023. But I also wanted to touch on this little point too, just wrapping up this topic about Bichette and um, avoiding arbitration. So if we look across the majors and we head over to Milwaukee, We'll, we'll see Corbin Burns there, right? We, we know who Corbin Burns is, even though I'm sure a lot of you don't watch too much NL Central baseball. You know who Corbin Burns is, right? Ace of the Brewers, one of the top pitchers in the majors. He's the Brewers' ace. And he is going to be eligible for free agency after the 2024 season. But he's an arbitration-eligible player this year. And so, keeping in mind that the Blue Jays and Bichette were separated by $2.5 million when they exchanged figures on January 13th. Just remember that. Corbin Burns, he also couldn't avoid arbitration with the Brewers by the January 13th deadline. The difference though, between him and Bichette, Burns filed at 10.75 million, which is very reasonable for a pitcher of his caliber. You want to know what the Brewers filed at? 10.01 million. Yeah. That's a difference of seven hundred and forty thousand dollars. Seven hundred and forty. They nickeled and dined their ace. Would have been different if there were, you know, if there was a much larger gap, similar to the one uh, that the Blue Jays encountered with Bichette. But no, the Brewers, who are uh, a small market franchise, or at least they give off that vibe because we don't really know what their income is because they don't show us their books, so we just have to kind of take them at their word, but you don't, or at least you shouldn't be that cheap when it comes to your core player. What's also worse is that both sides went into an arbitration hearing earlier this week. So they, they fought against each other, you know, saying that we owe you this much, and Corbin Burns argue, arguing back saying, no, like I'm worth this much. And you know what the outcome of that hearing was? The Brewers won. The Brewers won their arbitration case against Corbin Burns, which means he will earn $10.01 million in 2023. $740,000 less than what Corbin Burns was asking for. un believable Right? So now, that's a team that traded away Josh Hader at the deadline last year because they couldn't afford to keep him. And that ruined, essentially, their playoff chances. Washed down the damn toilet. And now, with Corbin Burns, just over a year or so away from... Reaching free agency. They have tainted their relationship with him. Now that's going to be beneficial for the 29 other teams across baseball. Because if the Brewers are bad this season. You know teams are going to be calling Milwaukee. Inquiring about trade talks uh, regarding Burns. And those will continue over the offseason. And if they encounter a similar process where there's a sizable gap between Burns and the team, and the team continues to try and nickel-dime their core pitcher, their ace pitcher, he's gone. He's going to be gone. The Blue Jays didn't want to have that happen with Bichette. Not at all. Again, a little bit different because there was a, a, a much larger gap between the two sides. But still, they showed Bichette that they were not going to nickel and dime their best players. And Bichette is not the only one who's realized that. I'm, I'm damn sure Vladimir Guerrero Jr. took notice of that. And I'm sure everyone else did too. I'm damn sure Matt Chapman noticed that too because he's going to be eligible for free agency after this season. So, this is not only a win for Bichette, but it's also a win for the Blue Jays, because they not only avoided a toxic situation with their superstar shortstop, but they also showed the rest of the organization and the rest of their players That we value you. We want to find a reasonable contract that will be suitable for both sides. And we want to put together a winning product. And we're not afraid to spend the money to make that happen. That's what they showed. And for everyone, that will prove massively moving forward. So, that's what I wanted to open with. Now we'll move on to a little bit more of the fun stuff here that has come out from spring training. You know, we're going to talk about Yusei Kikuchi, Kevin Gosman, some of the new rules regarding him that will see him tweak his pitch delivery and already has. Uh, we're going to talk about Danny Jansen and him mashing baseballs during batting practice earlier this week and how he's added some, you know, some muscle over the winter as well. We're going to talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., his defense specifically, the fact he, the fact that he's coming off winning his first career gold glove and how now he gets to work with nine-time gold glove award winner Don Mattingly, who won nine gold gloves as a first baseman during his career in the majors. So, we're going to get into all this fun stuff here now, which has me, you know, extremely excited about the start of the season, because of course, right? Um, So, let's kick things off with some of the new rules that Major League Baseball is introducing this season. Um, Now, as part of introducing a pitch clock... um, baseball is trying to crack down on box so that um, because in previous years they've kind of let things slide a little bit um, with players pre-pitch movements and because they're actually going to manually start and stop pitch clocks, Major League Baseball wants to make their jobs easier. So because of that, players like Kevin Gosman, who previously featured a toe tap on the mound, rocking back and forth, didn't really come to a full stop before releasing a pitch, which technically you're supposed to do. And we saw him get called for a two box, I believe last season um, and you know with the pitch clock coming and new rules being introduced Kevin Gosman is one of a few pitchers who's had to make some changes to his mechanics over the offseason and he showed some of those new changes um, on Thursday when he threw his first side session of the spring um, and you know looking at the video wasn't a ton of, of uh, there wasn't a significant difference, but the most notable change is that the toe tap is gone and that for a split second before Gosman throws the pitch, he does stop. And you know I'm sure he, is, he has um, checked in with Major League Baseball and, and received clarification on what will be legal versus illegal and has moved forward with those guidelines or under those guidelines. So hopefully now he won't have to worry um, you know about being called for box or anything or illegal pitches or anything like that. Um, and I think he'll probably gain additional clarity. And confidence regarding his new wind-up during spring training where I believe umpires are going to be a little bit more lenient regarding these new rules because everyone's still learning, right? This is an early part of the learning stage um, here, so hopefully Gosman gets everything situated before opening day and I'm sure he will um, but that's just one of the more notable changes that's gone on during the early part of uh of spring training here and i also wanted to touch on jose barrios because he's he's got a new hairdo this spring um you know he he bleached his hair blonde Um, now that's because everyone on team puerto rico has done that, I believe they also did that in 2017 as well, so, you know, it, it's not like it's, it's something he's doing on his own and, and came out in left field from, um, but it was certainly a shock um, to see him debut, I mean, he looks good um and and you know who knows maybe it'll help him pitch a little bit better maybe it'll um provide a little bit more effectiveness on his fastball which got hit really hard at times last season so uh and again who knows how long he keeps his hair like that obviously if puerto rico does well in the wbc he probably will keep it longer um but you know he's sporting some a some, uh, nice little hairdo there now so uh, that was interesting to see as well. And you say Kikuchi too. Speaking of new hairstyles, you say Kikuchi has uh, grown a little facial hair now. He's got a he's got a nice little beard on him uh, this spring. <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, considering the way last season went, I guess you know you got to change something up. I, I do remember too, Hunjin Ryu a few years ago. Um when he was struggling a little bit, grew out the beard and and actually actually pitched pretty well with it. So um maybe, maybe that's a little tip he gave Kikuchi, who knows? Um But another interesting facet to talk about here regarding Kikuchi is that he's got a new pitch. Or at least he brought an old one back. Um, he's sporting or at least it appears he's sporting a curveball now Um, and that's not unusual for him he he featured one when he first came over from Japan in 2019 but it wasn't that good of a pitch back then it's uh, I mean he only threw it you know uh, 15.4 percent of the time um that season and you know hitters mashed it like they hit 348 with a 623 slugging against it that season it only generated a 15.4 percent whiff rate it had a plus two run value um and you know like it, it it featured Good drop on it, good vertical vertical movements. Uh, it averaged 63.7 inches a drop, which was 2.7 more than similar curveballs. Um, but it struggled with its horizontal movement. Like it only averaged 6.9 inches a break, which was four inches less than similar curveballs with a similar velocity as his, um, which was 75 miles an hour so um but I you know it's interesting because Kikuchi featured more of a slider last year it was a bit of a um a hybrid of his cutter and in a breaking ball but you know I wonder if he's added some more drop or some more break horizontally that pitch i mean obviously pete walker and the blue jays coaching staff have been working with kikuchi all winter um, to try and you know help him find better success in 2023 uh it's also notable too that he's made some mechanical adjustments too he's holding his hands uh higher than he did last season seems to have simplified his delivery a little bit as well too so um, you know it'll be interesting to see one when he talks to the media and and uh, you know talks about his offseason I'm really interested to hear on his thoughts about his curveball and any other changes he may have made regarding his pitch repertoire over the offseason too so you know we'll see what kind of answers come out of that whenever he does In fact, speak to to reporters uh, in Florida. But, um, you know, so far, it's at least encouraging for Kikuchi. I mean, we really won't know how far he's come from last season until he actually pitches in games. And it seems as though right now he's going to be given an opportunity to compete. For that number five spot because well the blue jays haven't really filled that spot or haven't filled that spot um with anyone else thus far so you know kikuchi mitch white zach thompson maybe drew hutchinson dare i say ricky tiedemann eventually maybe um you know pitches into that spot so i mean in a perfect world obviously with kikuchi still under contract for two seasons um, at, you know, $10 million per, you would like to see him as a starter. Um, But at the end of the day, any role where he's going to be successful is where you want to have him play. So, you know, uh, hopefully these changes over the winter will help him. Enjoy more success, but you know, at the end of the day, the biggest thing for him is commanding the strike zone, right? How many times did we say it last year? He's got such an explosive fastball and he's got a pretty decent slider and changeup, but he just can't throw strikes, particularly with that fastball. So, you know, if he's able to improve on that this season then maybe we have a different different conversation regarding Yusei Kikuchi and his value to the Blue Jays as a starting pitcher. Now, I also wanted to touch on Danny Jansen because I watched his BP session earlier this week. And um, I'm not going to lie, it got me pretty excited. Like the balls were coming off his back pretty hard. Like, that sound they were making... That's uh, that's giving me goosebumps. I'm not going to lie. Um, And he's also added 15 pounds of muscle over the winter. He he finished last season um, in around 215 pounds this year. Uh, He's apparently up to 230. So, um, you know, for a guy coming off a career season where... You know, he, he hit 15 home runs, drove in 44, slash 260, 339, 516 with a 364 woba, 368 expected woba, 140 weighted runs create a plus score, 10.1% walk rate, 17.7% uh, striker rate, 256 ISO. Um... A barrel rate of 13.1%, hard hit rate of six or 46.6%, um, all of that in just 72 games because of the oblique injury, the broken bone in his hand from a hit-by-pitch. Um, you know, like, this is a guy, when healthy, he's an impact player, and, you know, that doesn't just come... Offensively, Like, we know his value defensively, too. It's just, can he stay healthy? Can he give the Blue Jays enough availability where he provides them more than 2.6 wins above replacement, which he did last season, which was also a career high. So, you know, for a guy who's 27, he'll be 28 in April, this is a, a fairly big season for Jano because he's eligible for free agency after 2024 after the 2024 season so um, at some point he's gonna have to prove whether or not he can stay on the field and um for the blue jays like they just traded away gabby moreno right their catcher depth has taken some but some somewhat of a hit um you know obviously you still have alejandro kirk and dalton varsho Uh, Has experience behind the plate, even though he's more valuable in the outfield to the Blue Jays. So, if Danny Jansen can replicate and build off of what he did in 2022, man, is this going to be a fun team. Because, for the most part, you're going to have Danny Jansen hitting, like, what, 8th, ninth in the Blue Jays lineup. If you have a guy hitting at the bottom of your order... Posting, what, a 130, 140 way to run to create a plus score? Like, you got a damn good lineup. So I'm, I'm really, really fired up to see, you know, how Danny Jansen performs this spring. Because, you know, again, like, he looks like he's had a really good winter. Um, now, obviously, again, the caveat is, can he maintain that? Um, physical form, and health-wise, all season, we'll see, Um, but early on, all signs are pointing in the right direction for Danny Jansen. Now, let's talk about Vladdy here, too, because, um, you know, with with Bichette's contract situation, you know, the new additions, I don't want to say Vladdy's been forgotten about, but he's kind of just fallen off into the back, like, faded into the background, like, a little bit, um, and, you know, I think we could see some really interesting things from Vladdy this year, and that, that isn't just offensively, um, because we know how valuable he can be at the plate. We saw as much in 2021 where he posted a career-high 166 weighted runs, create a plus score over 161 games with 48 home runs and 111 RBIs. And the big thing for him offensively is his pitch recognition his plate discipline and also his swing too as well right like his launch angle or at least increasing his launch angle will be crucial this season right because it was at it averaged 4.3 degrees last season versus 9.4 degrees in 2021 um and that and that's a big part of vladdy keeping the ball off the ground like there were a lot of comparisons between his 2020 and his 2022 performances, at least analytically speaking. He had very similar ground ball rates, um, launch angles. So hopefully we, we see better batted ball distribution for Vladi um, to the point where, you know, he's not rolling over pitches low and away from him. He's taking those the other way. Um, or even laying off them completely again. Getting back to that pitch recognition thing and the plate discipline. Because we saw Vladdy chasing a fair bit last season. To the point where he had to make some some really big uh, mental adjustments too. Because he had the highest outside swing percentage of his career a year ago. It, was a, it took a massive jump from 2021. Um, jumping from 24% in 2021 to 30.6% last season so um it's I don't want to say it's simple but we know how Vladdy can improve to be a better offensive contributor for the Blue Jays in 2023 but there's also a way for him to improve his value at first base which has come a long way like if we were we Rewind to the 2020 season where, you know, Vladi wasn't in top condition. He'd been moved off of third base because um, he didn't arrive to summer camp or spring training uh, in the shape that he needed to be in. And, you know, understandably so. That took a toll on him. And his defense, his defensive metrics displayed that. And you know vladdy responded really well and has continued to respond really well um to continuing to work on his um physical condition and becoming an even better defensive performer like he's improved every season defensively even though not it, it it doesn't um correlate to all of his metrics right like aside from defensive run save if you were to look at any other any of any other of his defensive metrics you wouldn't really be able to tell that vladdy has improved defensively every season you know like he posted negative four defensive runs saved in 2020 plus two in 2021 plus three in 2022, which helped him earn that gold glove last season. But if you were to look at outs above average, Vladdy was worth negative two in 2020, negative three in 2021, negative four in 2022, similar to his um, runs, uh, fielding runs prevented, RAA, runs above average negative two in 2020 negative three in 2021 negative three again in 2022 you look at his range metrics uh, range runs above average negative 0.3 in 2020 uh, plus 2.7 in 2021 but then negative 1.6 in 2022 UZR um, negative 1.8 in 2020 1.8 in 2021 but negative .3.7 in 2022 and you know a big part of it for Vladdy is obviously the errors right he had a career worst 10 errors last season 6 of them were fielding errors um but he also had four throwing errors which were the most of his career for any season like he hadn't committed a throwing error in any season at first base prior to last season. So, you know, obviously cutting down on the mental mistakes with his throwing decisions will will help him uh, enormously. But at the same time as well, we've already seen it this spring where he's been working at first base with Don Mattingly. And again, Don Mattingly in his day was one of the premier defensive first baseman in baseball and now Vladdy who's very gifted in his own right at first base gets to learn part of the trade from Don Mattingly like that's just that's invaluable for a guy as talented as Vladdy so I would not be shocked if we see Vladdy take another step forward defensively and become even better As a fielder. Um, Which. Would be. A little insane. Again. Considering the fact that. He's still only 23. And will just turn 24. Next month. So. um, It just. It it speaks volumes to. His skill set. And how talented Vladdy is. But the fact that. Um. He could not only take a step forward offensively, but also defensively this season just has to excite everyone, right? Because, you know, given Vladdy's offensive struggles and some of his, you know, defensive flaws last season as well, he was worth 2.8 fangraphs wins above replacement, whereas in 2021, he was worth 6.3 again, because he just absolutely mashed. At the plate so if he can get back to that a little bit and take another step forward defensively there's no doubt in my mind he can be a six win seven win player for the blue jays in 2023 which would be a massive improvement from 2022 and you know frankly could mean the difference i don't want to put it all all on vladdy here because that wouldn't be fair but it could mean the difference at least in a small part, between finishing as a wildcard team and winning the AL East. So um, that just shows how important Vladi is to the Blue Jays' success. But, um know, that's, that's certainly the early stuff um, that has transpired here um, since spring training has opened. This week, and obviously there are, there will be more things to come out over you know the next few weeks as more players continue to arrive. We get new looks at guys. Dalton Varsho is there with the Blue Jays. Kevin Kiermeyer as well. Chris Bassett's already thrown a side session too, um, and things will will only pick up even further once we actually get into games here um, and have some real data. To dive into to just you know draw comparisons between last season and this season and and sort of try and get somewhat of an idea as to how this team is going to take shape and perform um, out of the gate this season so there's there's certainly lots to be excited about and I can't wait until we actually get to see these guys playing against other teams in games so that does it for this week's episode hope all of you will join me next time for another edition of blue jays world update but until that time i'm your host thomas hall and now your date and please remember wear a mask wear it properly and get vaccinated thanks for listening